According to his top aides, Ron DeSantis will officially declare that he is a candidate for president next month. That way he can drop out by June and have the entire summer with his family because nobody likes Ron DeSantis, probably not even his family. Why would they? He can't take them to Disney World. The only people unwelcome at Disney World are child molesters and Ron DeSantis. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. What a loser. You know, the guy has small kids. He's the governor of Florida, which means he could have Disney World wired if he kept his mouth shut. There'd be no waiting in lines, right? Disney World would be his oyster, but he had to go and piss off Disney. Who does that to their family other than Ron DeSantis? You know, I pulled a lot of D-bag moves as a father. Looking back, I regret. But ruining Disney World for your daughters? He's got two daughters and he ruined Disney World for them? Do you know what it's like to go to Disney World as a child and have Snow White walk up to you and say, your father's a twat? Do you know what that's like? Because my kids do, and I can tell you, it's not pretty. Ron DeSantis's daughters are pissed off. Meanwhile, the Disney company is suing DeSantis, accusing him of weaponizing Florida's government and punishing Disney for coming out against DeSantis's don't say gay bill. DeSantis says the case is completely without merit, just like his don't say gay bill, which is really called the Florida Parental Rights in Education Act, which prohibits teachers from discussing gender or sexuality with students. DeSantis believes that in Florida, these conversations should only be conducted at home between a young girl and her abusive stepfather. The Republican-controlled Montana State House censured Representative Zoe Zephyr, a Democrat and transgender state legislator, after she spoke out against Republicans banning gender-affirming care for transgender minors. Because she has now been censured, Representative Zephyr will not be allowed to debate any motions before the House and can only vote from her office. She is not allowed on the Montana House floor. Nice, right? Silencing someone because she criticized your views on gender affirming care for minors. Republicans are real champions of free speech, aren't they? Between Ron DeSantis banning hundreds of books, forbidding teachers from discussing race or sexuality, and Zoe Seffer in Montana literally silenced, not allowed to debate any bills on the Montana House floor, you really got to admire the Republicans Party's commitment to the First Amendment. Let's be honest. Republicans only care about freedom of speech when one of them gets canceled for using the N-word. That's it. They only want freedom of hate speech is what they want. Meanwhile, the Biden Justice Department has filed a lawsuit trying to block Tennessee's new law, which bans gender affirming care for minors, because that's 
the biggest problem facing the people of Tennessee, especially their children in Tennessee. You know, sure, they can't educate their kids. There's no money for education. It's one of the last remaining states that won't take Medicaid expansion under Obamacare. So their kids are underinsured or not insured at all. And of course, we all know they can't keep their kids in Tennessee safe from guns. But let's all focus on gender affirming care for minors in Tennessee. That's the biggest issue facing Tennessee. The Biden Justice Department says Tennessee's law violates our 14th Amendment's guarantee of equal protection under the law. And it's not just Tennessee. North Dakota just passed a bill banning gender affirming care for anyone under the age of 18. And Kansas passed a similar bill, along with protecting bathrooms from transgender people. But some good news coming out of Kansas you may not know this, but they have a Democratic governor named Laura Kelly, and she vetoed that anti-LGBTQ bill. Kansas has a Democratic governor. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley spoke before the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization this week. When Nikki Haley was governor of South Carolina, she outlawed abortion after 20 weeks. Haley says she is unapologetic on her pro-life stance. But in her speech, she said, quote, This shouldn't be about one movement winning and another one losing. This shouldn't be about picking sides. Really, this shouldn't be about picking sides. Let's see. You're pro-life. I'm pro-choice. Your side has made it impossible for women to get an abortion in some states, even after they've been raped. I'm pretty sure this is about one movement winning and another one losing. This is such a Republican bullshit move. I'm all about compromise so long as you're the one compromising. Nikki Haley goes on to say, quote, let us discuss abortion as the important and deeply personal issue that it is the deeply personal issue that it is. OK, since it's deeply personal, how about you shut up? How about we discuss it only with our doctors and not opportunistic politicians like Nikki Haley, who couldn't give a rat's ass about babies or their mothers. Okay, all flight controllers, go no go for landing. Retro. Go. Fido. Go. Guidance. Go. Control. Go. Telcom. Go. GNC. Go. Econ. Go. Surgeon. Go. Capcom, we're go for landing. Eagle Houston, you're go for landing. Over. I do understand. Go for landing. 3,000 feet. Professor Mike Steinell is the author of Saving Charlie Parker, a novel. It has the Feldman guarantee. If you buy this book and it doesn't thrill you, let me know and I will reimburse you. It's just that simple. It has the Feldman guarantee. Go pick up Saving Charlie Parker, a novel. And 
It's good to see you came in heavy tonight. You got two new songs. Talk yeah. is cheap and all tuckered out. Yeah, talk is cheap is an is an old song. I think I did that around. I was going to say that. Yeah, one of the mass shootings. You know, talk is cheap. Yeah. You know, the line is uh, people to say that they're they're in your thoughts and prayers. They won't be there when you fall down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and then why, I'm, why I shouldn't be laughing? What that's terrible. That's no, okay. <laughs> that's okay, David. Hey, I have a question. Yes, sir. So. I was listening to the show and thanks you for putting it up. I heard it Monday and I, I was reading from the, the new book, but I, my pacing was horrible. Did you have a program that took the, you're not going to go back. Maybe I had it on like one and a half or something, you know, cause you can speed up podcasts, you know? Right. But I, I couldn't, I thought, God, I, I read that horribly. I didn't pause. I didn't have oh, any. Oh, you know what? Somebody might have edited it. Well, why would they do that? Don't do that. I know. I Should I take it Somebody down? jacked with it. I thought so. Yeah. Your ear, you have perfect. You know what? Yes. Somebody. somebody why would edited, they do that? Uh, it I wasn't that go, long, was it? No, I, I don't know. But uh, I have something to, to take out the dead air. I, I think Is that so. what it was. Yeah. How's my how's my sound, by the way? I'm sorry about that. Well, you should be, David, because you bring me here with my little songs. You know, I'm just a little monkey with songs coming every week. Yeah. I, I say, apologize. Dance for my pleasure, little monkey. <laughs> I don't say that publicly. I say I know, it over, in your I head. say it over <laughs> the phone to you. <laughs> but I don't do it. I present myself. I, know, as I, a, I pick up the vibe. I get I catch the vibe. <laughs> I know what's going on. I, 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 I call you, you know, a little monkey in private, but not people don't need to know that I'm a monster publicly. How are things in Texas, in beautiful Denton, Texas? We've been very busy. Uh, it's been the weather's been kind of crappy. It's cold, what rainy. Today we had a there was water in the garage. Beverly came home and from shopping and she goes, there's water in the garage. I go, what's that about? Did it rain? No. And so we had a water heater go out and I called a plumber. I called this company and within 15 minutes they were there. And three hours later, we had a new water heater. It was pretty amazing, actually. See, I live in an you know? apartment and we were visiting some friends who live in the country. And for me, on paper, living in the country looks like a great idea. But then there are woodchucks that come into your home and they die and they smell and there's, yeah, there's if nature. You don't have a tight house. Yeah. I, I, I think you get spoiled living in the city. You're miserable. You keep saying I'm bereft of nature, but you you begin to loathe the thing you crave the most. That's what's happened to me. I, I'm. Let me think. Let me think about that. You love the thing you crave the most. I want nature in my life, and then I go and see it, and I think, "Wow, this is scary stuff." Does that carry over into your sex life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> so, hey, remember last week I talked about a book I was reading. Yes. And, and like two minutes later, after you said who wrote the book, I the name. The name came to me, and it's Donald Hall. 
Writing Well. Writing Well by Donald Hall. It's a fantastic. I want to read now, a is, is this a passive aggressive way of you saying I need help with my writing? If the shoe fits, David. <laughs> it's a little tight. No, you write, you, write, you write well. I love this. He's, he's got such a great way. He's talking about adjectives and the cliche. He says, in our minds, we associate certain adjectives and nouns. Our minds are not only computer dictionaries. They are junkyards of cliche. <laughs> That's beautiful. If we think grass, we probably think green. We move in worn tracks. If we think snow, we think white. These weary associations are not really thinking. They are automatic responses to stimuli. The more ourselves we can be, the less we will resemble a machine. Anyway, he's, so he's, he's saying don't write white snow, just write snow. Well, I'll come up with a better uh, adjective, you know, for snow, you know. Right. And who what's the guy's name? Don Hall. Donald Hall. It's a great book. Donald great Hall. Book. Yeah. When was it written? It's old. Um, uh, 59. 1959. No, 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 no. 57. No. Hell, I don't know. And who? 73. Wrote 73. But you can't. It's out of print, You, but you can get it used from for like 50 cents. By. Um, Little Brown and Company. Okay. I read Stephen King's book on writing, and I found it really helpful. It's very good, and it's a quick read. Yeah. Yeah. There's. I discovered this one on a podcast called Murder Your Darlings, which mm -hmm. is great. And the, the reader is fantastic. And he, he waxes poetic about this book. You know, he, he gets into it a lot. But he also talks about Stephen King's book. And uh, all the, he just takes every good thing about uh, every good writing about writing. And he he's put it into a podcast or not a podcast, but a, a uh, an, uh, an audio book. Now, do you sit in front of a computer? Do you stand? What is your process? I should stand, but I, I do sit and it bothers my leg. I have a bad leg with that because I sit there too long. Literally, David, from Thursday last, that's the way you would say it, I suppose, the day after my gig at the wine bar, my wife and I have been putting together the, um, the song, but we're going to do a tribute to Nadine, my mother-in-law, Beverly's mother, who lived with us the last three years and passed away in February. She was on the show, I believe, in September. Was she really? Yeah. Well, we she yelled from the downstairs. She said, shut up. I'm watching my show. <laughs> no, no. I, you were doing a live show. Oh, that's right. We and introduced she, her from the yeah, thing we, yeah. from the wine yeah, bar. That's that, right. Yeah. There's Nadine. Right. And she Beautiful. said hello. Yeah, yeah, that's right. OK, right. so you got to see her. That's new. yeah. But, um, you know, uh, we're putting there's a kind of a congregational uh, a celebrational sing along in her memory. Of all the songs that she loves, oh. hymns, pop songs, uh, Rosanna Eckert's going to be there and she's going to sing Stardust. Um, right. And uh, it's going to be May 7th, a week from Sunday at the First Presbyterian Church. It's going to have the Denton Bach Choir and the Chancel Choir from our church and wow. jazz dignitaries from the from the uh, area. And uh, 
we're going to, but we've been putting together a songbook that everybody's going to get who attends because they can sing along. So all the songs, like wow. 40 songs that I put, had to put into a finale. And uh, I literally sat at the keyboard, sat it in front of the computer for about a week. So it's over now, which it's at the printers. So and she made it to a hundred. Yeah, she was. It's really interesting to see her dates because it's 1922 to 2023, you know, so you know, she into her 101st year. So you know? it, so if you were born in 1922, you can remember things that happened in 1928, 29. Yeah, she's a depression child, you know. And a, and a teenager in the World War II, whose first husband was shot down or went down. His plane went down in the Pacific just months after they were married, her first husband. Hmm. And it's a, it's a great story. You know, they, they honeymooned. They got married in California while he was still in the service before he shipped out. And they honeymooned. And she kept a beautiful scrapbook. It's so, it's so amazing. They did everything. They heard they heard uh, the Count Basie band. They heard Stan Kenton. They went to every club in L.A. and uh, and this was during World just, War, this was during World War Two. Yeah, the war, world was going on, and and he was getting ready to ship out and uh, go. He, they flew from an island. He he was in the Army Air Force, which later became the Air Force, and and he flew from an island. And his plane had difficulty, and he had to turn back from a bombing mission. He was the pilot. And uh, they never found a plane. They never but, found. Well, yeah. So, well. but so anyway, we're doing this great thing Sunday. So it's really cool. I, I have some other gigs coming up They're down the ways a bit. Going to play at the wine bar June 24th here in Denton. And then the next day we fly to Las Vegas and we're doing the show in Las Vegas. Really? At the, yeah. At the American Federation of Musicians. Oh, been wow. invited to play there. And, uh, in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. When's the last time you were in Vegas? The last time I did that show three years ago. Pre, I think it was summer of um, summer of 2019. Yeah. I, I haven't been in Vegas, Las Vegas for a long time. I, I guess I want to go back as a tourist just to see what it's like. But uh I spent too much time in Las Vegas. You know, it's just uh, not. Hey, not let me ask me. you. So, so when when you do a club out there, you had a lot of time on your hands, right? Yeah, I had a nervous breakdown in Vegas because of, literally, much, where I thought I ought to. I it was it was about a couple of decades ago, and I thought I had to be hospitalized. It got really bad. It time. The, I, my feeling is, if you ever are told you have two days to live, go to Las Vegas, and it'll seem like two centuries. If you, if you don't gamble and you have to be in your hotel room and you can't gamble, time moves like, yeah. Bart, like the hotel in Barton Fink. It's just nothing. You Ooh, just, that's a scary hotel. Yeah, it just, it was, Vegas is- a Hotel in Barton Fink, I, that's good. I hate- uh, well, you said once the reason I have so much lights is there no there's no light. It's all darkness in the L.A. in Las Vegas. I, 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 I this is what 
I when I finally came out of this like a five day anxiety attack, uh, I remember what Eli Wazell said. Uh, they asked him about Auschwitz. They said, where was God? And he said, God wasn't here. And he wasn't at Auschwitz. And I remember thinking, Schmucko, you went to Vegas. What did you think? What, what'd you, you're not going to find. What there's were you no, thinking? There's no God here. This is where you go. This is where you come to Vegas and say, I got it, God. I got it. I don't need you right now. I'm, I, and it is a godless place. It, it is. If you're spending money on blackjack, if you have money for blackjack, but you don't have money for charity, it's pretty godless. It's pretty horrible to to blow a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars at the table. But then when you're when it's time for tithing, you come up short. It's pretty godless stuff. It's pretty bad. Yeah, that's a good a good good observation. Yeah, but you can't say I'm that. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna maybe we can do the uh the podcast from there. Maybe we can do yeah. it. <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll tell say, you you're gonna burn our, your our thing is burn gonna be hell. Our thing is going to be really quick, in and out, in and out, you know. Yeah. And I so only gambled you... once in Las Vegas, and it was like like by 2 in the morning. Every All my money that I brought was gone. And it was like, why did I do that, you know? There, and I, well, was, I, had schooled, I had schooled myself up to play blackjack, you know. I'd learned the stuff. My mother was a pretty good blackjack player. She won She'd go on cruises and they'd have casino night. She'd mm -hmm. win. She'd win. She just played the the uh, the program. You know, they give you those cards in Vegas. Here's what you do if the, if the up cards this and your right. cards that. You know, and here's when you split, and here's when you double down, and here's when you. And if you do that, supposedly you have a little edge. And I don't know. She probably had some. She was good at math, right? She was a math teacher. That's right. Well, there you go. So that's almost a curse because you. You become obsessed with you, you, <laughs> my folks. They love to go to the casinos. That's really it's kind of shocked me because they were just school teachers, you know, with no money. And then when they got on the Kansas teachers pension, they would, you know, make these trips to Vegas and then other places. It was fun. Well, I mean, for them, gamble. my parents used to love to come see me when I was playing casinos because you people watch you're you you're tempted. You you kind of if you're responsible, you kind you you almost can assume a self-righteous pose and look at other people and say, I, I'm not going to fall prey to this. I think there's some of that that goes on. I also think gambling. I know some people compulsive gamblers and uh you know it's a form of uh punishing oneself they're they're you you know they're, they're uh, they have to get rid of their money they have they cannot allow themselves to be secure i've read that the compulsion is almost as much about losing as it is about winning right you know you know like here, here's another i Another book I've been reading, this is the Count Basie itinerary from 1936 to 1950. What do you mean his itinerary? What do you mean? This guy has put together 
everything Count Basie's band did from contracts and then handbills and posters and and um, like notices in the press. But what is amazing so is you like, must be in heaven reading that, right? Yeah, but it's, I just can't imagine what it's like. For example, Tuesday, 19, September 39, uh, Manhattan Center in New York, afternoon concert, the 20th, Roseland Ballroom, the 21st, Stamford, Connecticut, the 22nd, Newark, Connecticut, the 23rd. Now, this is pretty cool. They're staying around uh, New York. And where are they sleeping? 20, on the bus, probably. The 24th, uh, Buffalo, the 25th, Cleveland, the 26th, Indianapolis. No days off yet. The 27th, St. Louis, the 28th, Kansas City, the 29th, Omaha, the 30th, Denver. Okay, now the 2nd of October. So they took the first off. And they're sleeping on the bus. Yeah. So they're almost like ghosts. I I know the feeling. If you just keep moving and keep working, you're you don't mind. Right. You're just you're not dealing in reality. I kind of had a meltdown on the road where I just started crying for no reason, because like my piano, my electric piano got dinged up because they were loading it. And I realized I was just so exhausted. Right. You know. We'd been doing like a bunch of hits like that. But you stop being a normal human being and you just become a creature of the road and you have no obligations other than sitting on a bus, getting along with everybody and playing your music. There's almost something. It's almost like a a monk like existence. I can see how that. uh, I I know that from working the road where it, it, it does become. Uh, but you wouldn't do one nighters like that. Boom, 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 boom. You would sit down and do like a weekend. Long yeah. Weekend, yeah. I, I mean, then I would come yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of road work. Um, Dylan's band kind of works like that, but he gives them I've seen their itineraries. They'll do they'll do like th- three days in a row and then three days off and then three days in a row, kind of geographically close together. And he travels in a big two big uh bunch of semi trucks for the equipment and then two big uh, travel RV homes, huge RV homes, one for him. I mean, one for the band. And does he check into a hotel or just they might? Yeah, I guess so. When he was spotted, remember in Newark, Newark or uh, where was he? He was in Hoboken that he was arrested without. And you know, he was he just found he was looking at a house. He walked up to the house that was for sale and read the. You know, and then uh, this cop, this lady cop picked him up and didn't she just look he looked like a homeless person. He didn't have an he didn't have his wallet with him. And she she said, what's your name? He said, Bob Dylan. Well, that didn't mean anything to her. And it wasn't later when they got to the station and and he called the manager and the manager came and got him. But but um, well, you know, they were staying in a hotel then. How many years ago was that? Oh, I don't know. You know, uh, three or 20. That's the way my brain works. Right. I mean, there's a story about one of the temptations going to a hospital, I think, in Detroit, suffering 
uh, chest pains and they put him in a straitjacket because he told them he was one of the temptations. Oh, geez. And they they put him in a straitjacket. And because Good he's African-American and there's a long history of, of race, course. Ra- racism in, in our medical establishment. Um, I was going to ask you a question. I forgot what I was going to ask you. Was it about Dylan? I can't remember. Should we play Talk Let's is play Cheap? Let's play a song. Talk is Cheap. Yeah, I like Talk is Cheap. This is... This is uh, what from the archives from the archives old music from professor mike steinell talk is cheap it, it doesn't cost a dime that's what they tell us most of the time They say they'll keep you in their thoughts and prayers But probably not gonna be there when you fall down the stairs When you're laying there bleeding and you're starting to weep Just remember what I said Talk is cheap We need a serious conversation about conversations that are serious. So many people talking nonsense, it's making me delirious. For every situation, they got a simple platitude. I'm so distracted by it all, I got a bad attitude. Everyone seems to know exactly what I should do. Don't think they have a clue as to what I'm going through Cause talk is very cheap But you can get it for a dime At least that's what I hear most of the time People think they're helping when they stop those aphorisms I'm beginning to think we should lock them up and put them all in prisons Stuff like it is what it is And take the good with the bad Let a smile be an umbrella And don't be so sad An apple a day keeps the doctor away And look before you leap Just remember what I said Talk is cheap Talk is cheap All these words sound good and logical on the face of it But when you really look around for the truth Sometimes there ain't no trace of it An apple a day keeps the doctor away But if you're allergic to apples, I don't know what to say The early bird gets the worm unless the worm is a very large bird-eating worm Good things come to those who wait is a statement I simply can't confirm. Cause talk is cheap, you can get it for a dime. That's what they tell me most of the time. All good things come to those who wait, but while you wait, you start to resent all the great stuff your friends are getting. Pride goeth before a fall, but what if you fall and you feel kind of proud about it? 
Look before you leap unless you're scared of heights And I suggest a blindfold What doesn't kill you makes you stronger Unless you're kind of weak to begin with Then it probably will kill you And remember Actions speak louder than words Unless you can yell real loud is cheap it doesn't cost a dime that's what they tell us most of the time they say they'll keep you in their thoughts and prayers but probably not gonna be there when you fall down the stairs when you're laying there bleeding and you're starting to weep just remember what I said talk is cheap Remember that. That's genius. You're a genius. You are. You're un- you have to unmute yourself, my friend. That grew out of one thing you said. Like we need you in your monologue. You hit this theme of we need to have a serious because people were saying we need to have a serious conversation about right. guns, you know, and and no one's hap- nothing's happening as, right. as, as has been the case. And you, your monologue was we need to have a serious conversation about having a serious conversation. Right. right. I think you know? I reused that. Recently. Last, yeah. I think I said that again. God, that's well, great. It's a good, it's a good thing. So nothing wrong. Pride go with go before a fall. Unless you're, unless you fall and you're really proud of it. The one I like is early bird gets the worm unless the worm is a really large bird eating worm. I love that. I love that. Hey, you want to play Tuckered Out? I, yes. Uh, I have a feeling I know who this is about. <laughs> you feel tuckered out. out this week? I feel I think we know. This is, this is new music from Professor. I wrote Mike. this this afternoon. All Tuckered Out. I've been watching Fox News since 1996 
You'd think by now I'd be onto their tricks, but somewhere on the way I lost my perspective. I've lost any will to think or be objective. I've been Rush Limbaugh, I've been Bill O'Reilly, I've been Glenn Beck, and I checked out Hannity. I don't know quite when it happened, but somewhere on the way I lost all my humanity. I'm all tuckered out. I'm all tuckered out I'm all tuckered out And I'm looking for the key But I'm not too crazy about MSNBC I researched it all And did some serious bird dogging Looks like it goes way back to Father Collin It's a long line of people who've been the truth Some are long dead, some are long in the tooth I've been G. Gordon Lilly and Oliver North I've been Mark Levine and I checked out Ben Sapiro Facts are alternative, truth is an option Fear is a mantra and there ain't no hero I'm all tuckered out, yes indeed I'm all tuckered out I'm all tuckered out and I don't know when But I might have to switch to CNN CNN He's so tuckered He's so tuckered out He's so tuckered He's so tuckered out He's so tuckered He's so tuckered out Romo is kinda hot, but that guy Steve Ducey is definitely not. Truth was an option on the Carlson show. Tucker was only interested in making some dough. I've been Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly. I've been Glenn Beck and I checked out Hannity. I don't know when it might have happened, but somewhere on the way, I lost all my humanity because I'm all tuckered out. I'm all tuckered out. I'm all tuckered out and I'm looking for the key, but I'm not too crazy about MSNBC. I'm all tuckered out. I'm all tuckered out. He's so I'm all tuckered out. I'm all tuckered out. Aren't you tuckered out like me? I'm all tuckered out. I'm all tuckered out. I'm all tuckered out. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I miss the crowd noise. Where's the where's the crowd applause? I don't want to I want to I just want to hear you. Mike Steinell is a jazz <laughs> trumpeter, pianist, composer, arranger, internationally recognized jazz educator, 
author of the highly acclaimed Essential Elements for Jazz Ensemble and Building a Jazz Vocabulary. His latest book is a novel entitled Saving Charlie Parker, a novel. Go buy this book. And if it doesn't blow you away, I will reimburse you. It has the Feldman guarantee. That is just beautiful. We have a question from Nancy. Did Professor Nancy. Did uh, Professor Steinel grow up in a musical family? How much does he think musicality is learned as opposed to innate? Uh, no, it's it gets in there deep. My dad was a band director. <clears throat> My mother said she wasn't musical, but she did sing. Uh, she was kind of embarrassed to her singing. My dad was, uh, my, he was my trumpet teacher. He was my music teacher until I went away to college, basically. And um, so from, a good the time, from the time you were born, he was surrounding you with music. Not, I mean, it was just there, you know, I remember he would always play, he would, you know, and we had records. We didn't have a lot. We didn't have a ton of records, but I was interested in them. Well, and, arrest uh, records. He gave me, we want to talk about that? What's that? The arrest no. records. We don't want to <laughs> no. bring that up. <laughs> no, don't bring that up. Okay. We, he gave me a trumpet when I was six. But I do think like it, you know, like it's nurture. I don't think it's, I don't think like just because you, you would inherit it. Maybe you would. I don't know. Supposedly, I, saw, I was just reading about Elton John, that he just could sit down at a piano and just start playing. That certain people just have it all figured out. Well, if you, you know, if you have an ear and your ear is hooked up to, you, you know, your instrument that you're playing a piano or whatever, you know, then it's just a matter of tapping into that. I do know that I found it easy to play um, different instruments. You know, I was doing it. I, I mentioned a podcast I was on a week ago, Friday, and this person um Emily Merrill, it's her art. It's called Artifice. It didn't up yet, but she asked me a lot of questions about my childhood. And there's stuff I hadn't really thought about, but I do remember getting the trumpet at six and my dad showing me the scale. And then I just kind of goofed around on it, but I, I'm, something in me clicked around sixth grade, the summer of after my sixth grade year, I just really just wanted to, I, well, I was kind of bored. I just played the trumpet all day long as much I just whatever music I could find I would play and just practice it and it was you know it was just uh it was hot I remember it was hot and muggy and I uh, didn't have I think I played baseball that summer but I didn't like it you know right. and I wasn't any good at it either but um you are so great you are so well thank great. you David you really are I have a question uh, so I'm talking I'm going to ask you a question okay and I don't have to think about it. I'm going to. So I'm, I'm asking you a question. There's no delay. And the question is, can you sit down at a piano or pick up a trumpet and just think the tune and play it the same way we talk to one another? Um, I'm close there. I'm close to that. When I play with when I'm playing music that I know. Um. Yeah, it's just really natural. It's really easy. You're not thinking about good. are you you're not thinking about the notes or the finger positions. Mm -hmm. You just this is the sound I want and I'm just going to 
I'm going to play it the same way I'm talking to you right now, where I'm not thinking about the letters and the words. I'm just saying it. I go back and forth. I think just like when you're driving the car, sometimes you don't even think about what's going on. And every now and then you say, I got to I have to do so. I have to put on the brake, you know, but um, I think I'm scanning and and, you know, the mind can work very quickly. I don't think you can ever think about two things at the same time, but I think you can go back and forth. You know, real, um, you know, between many things. And so so I'm working on physically what what the trumpet is, what I want to do with the trumpet. I'm dealing with the sound in my head. I'm dealing with what's going on in the band. A lot of us, you know, jazz is very conversational. If it isn't conversational, it's not jazz. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the whole thing about jazz. If you take uh, if you take the interaction. Out of jazz, it's not jazz. Now, you can have. Rock and roll. Rock and roll doesn't have a lot of interaction. The drummer plays boom, boom, chak, boom, boom, chak. Rhythm guitar plays something. You know, it's all worked out. No one's going to stretch into their other people's rhythmic zone or harmonic zone. Jazz is different. It, jazz is, has to have. So, so you can have rock without the interaction and it's rock. But if you include interaction, then it's jazz rock. Same thing with Latin jazz. If it has the interactions, it's Latin jazz. Otherwise, it's just great salsa or it's great, uh, you know, like uh, cha-cha music or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's in the style. It's a style. But jazz has the aspect of interaction, particularly between the people in the rhythm section, piano, bass, drums. You know, they each have there's three jobs for the rhythm section. Pulse, boom, 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 you know. Harmony, and then interaction. The bass does pulse and harmony. If it's a walking bass, they don't act. They don't really interact too much. Well, you know what? Let's. You know, they, we're, we're out of time. This is so great. Yeah. This is what we should do. I would love you because you've done this before, where you break down songs for us. Yeah, this is just too good, and and. Uh, I mean, we're running late. Yeah, next yeah. week I would love it for you to. Let's talk about how how jazz is interactive. Yeah, and I'll bring some examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So great. I need to talk to you on the phone about the music and getting dinged and which what what music I can play and what music I can't play. But uh, uh, I'm only I'm only bringing music that's not. Anywhere on any platforms. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't want to so, get uh, your your friend Ray Hare. I don't want to piss him off. No, he wouldn't. It wouldn't be him. Any, anyway, it'd be Spotify. Right. You know. Right. That right. they're his enemies. <laughs> he's their enemy. Right. Because he's trying to get us paid for Spotify. Yeah. By the way, I've had music on Spotify for years. I never got a a, a cent. Well, it's got to go to Joe Rogan. He's got well, it's. You have to get monetized. You have to get over a certain number of spins, you know. Got to pay Joe Rogan a quarter of a billion dollars to spread conspiracy theories about COVID. Professor Mike. That's important, David. Yes. Professor Mike (laughs) Steinel, Song and Dance is the name of your album. And get the audio 
book of Saving Charlie Parker, which features music from Professor Mike Steinal, including the song Turtle, which <laughs> I love. Thank you. It's all there on SavingCharlieParker.com. You can go right there. Go to SavingCharlieParker.com. I love you, buddy. So great. Love you too, David. Have a good week. Thank you. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump.